before I get started here, I would be remiss if I didn't stop and thank those of you who have come to support me. Um, I see faces in here that I've not seen in this room for a while, and it does my heart good, and I'm honored that you would be here. I told Eliza before I came up to pray that God would help me to hold it together, <laughs> uh, because on this morning, there's like a train wreck, in a good way, okay, a train wreck of emotions in my heart, so the sooner I read God's word, the better, but thank you for being here, those of you who've come to support me, I'm really grateful. Second Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read just three verses and then pray. Apostle Paul says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Lord Jesus, my confidence on this day is not in myself, but it is through Christ and toward you, God. Lord, I stand in this pulpit very aware that I am not sufficient for these things. Lord, who is sufficient for these things? Who, who could dare in their right mind to stand up here and claim that they in themselves have the ability to be a minister of the new covenant, minister of the gospel? Lord, I can't give life to any man, spirit of God. It is you who gives life. It's you who gives life. I thank you this day that, that my sufficiency is from you. And Lord, I pray that as I share briefly, as your precious people, and friends, visitors, guests, listen, I pray that you would speak. Lord, you know how I have prayed for this day. people would not be enamored by me, but that you would be amazing. Lord, that's why we're here. There are far more entertaining, far better speakers than the guy standing in the pulpit. Lord, we're not here for a guy in a pulpit. We're here for you. We're here for you. And, and we pray that on this day, Lord, that whether we are called to be a minister of the new covenant in the pulpit or called to be a minister of the new covenant in our family or in our workplace, that for every one of us, you would take our confidence and you would redirect it back to the faithfulness of God in Jesus Christ. I ask you to do that for me. I ask you to do that for every one of us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. 
Oh boy. Well, it is a, a tremendous honor. It's a tremendous honor, folks, to be set in this morning as lead pastor of the church that I love the most. There are those, I was thinking about this, who, who grew up in the church and, and they find that over the years, their affection for God and their affection for God's people just steadily wanes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Young people who, who grew up in the church and over time their affection for God, their love for God's people, it wanes. But I stand here the, this morning by the grace of God to tell you that my experience has been the exact opposite. And that is by the grace of God. Having spent the last 25 years of my life at Kingsway, I can truthfully say that my love for God and my love for you has continued to grow. Okay, we're gonna need help. <laughs> Thank you. Here we come, Dwayne. All right. And that, in so many ways, is a testimony to those of you who I watched as I grew up in this church. And I was thinking, what, what is it more than anything else that the Lord used uh, to bring me to a point where as I grew older, not old yet, I just turned 33, that's nothing, but, but as I grew older, that, that my love for God and my love for the people of God would, would just steadily keep growing. What, how does that happen? And there's a lot of things I could say. It's the, it's the work of the Spirit of God. But, but in particular today, as I just begin to share, I, I want to thank those of you who have been here for 25 years. I want to thank my parents. I want to thank my wife. My brother's here to support me. Um, the fact that I'm here is in large part due to the faithfulness of Christian men and women who are may never be up and have a microphone but you loved God, you're still loving God. <laughs> you loved his people, you loved this community, you have given sacrificially for decades. And many of you did it praying, I know, because I've heard you share this, that the Lord would raise up a second generation in this church. And whether you realized it or not, you were, you were praying for me. <laughs> that is so humbling. It's so humbling, and today of all days, I wanna honor you if you've been here for that long. Whether you've ever come up on this stage and spoken, you've been faithful, and I've watched you. And your example has confirmed in my heart that this Lord that we love and this mission of the gospel that we give our life to, that it's not a joke, it's true. It's true, okay? So I'm grateful to all of you, the covenant members of this church, and I know that God has called me to serve as one of your pastors, and today it's with deep gratitude to the Lord and all of you that I gladly accept the call to serve as your lead pastor. Okay, so let me tell you why I'm not doing this. That might strike you as strange, but I wanna tell you why I'm not doing this, okay? I'm not stepping into this position because this is something that I've been chasing for years. Okay, you need to know that. I, I didn't actually set out to be a pastor. 
And some of you know this story. I, I didn't set out to be a pastor, but, but the Lord did a deep work in my heart. He, he gave me a, a desire to help other people follow Jesus and, and a love for studying and preaching his word that I couldn't ignore. I mean, I, I wanted to be a doctor. I, I thank God for those of you who are called to medicine, but, but, but the Lord did a work in my heart to the point where I, I knew there's nothing else I could do but be a pastor. And the last 10 years of full-time ministry have had plenty of ups and downs, but my confidence in the call of God, church, has continued to grow. I, I believe that I'm doing what he made me to do. Um, as an associate pastor here, I, I wasn't, for many years, particularly ambitious to be a lead pastor. Where are you going with this, Williams? You're supposed to talk about, you're so excited. Well, I am, I'm, I'm going to get there, but I, want, I just want to bring you in on the story, okay? So, so my wife, Eliza, would, would tell you if you ask that, that my greatest joy in ministry has largely come from helping other men and women succeed in ministry. There's a phrase I love, Lord, would you help me to set them up for success? It's a heartbeat of mine. But as the Lord's continued to work in my, in my heart, there are, there are two things that have made me confident in recent years that this new role of lead pastor is just as much something that God is calling me to as when he called me into ministry 10 years ago, okay? So I want to share those two things with you briefly. First, I love to preach the word of God. I love to preach the word of God. It, it is one of the, not one of the, it is the hardest thing I do as a pastor, <laughs> And it is at the same time the most rewarding thing that I do as a pastor. So, so I love to take what is, what is complicated and make it simple. I love to take what, what might seem theoretical and make it, make it practical. And as Chris mentioned earlier, being a lead pastor in a, in a particular way means providing doctrinal leadership through a prominent teaching role. And having done that on an interim basis for the last year and a half, I can say with confidence, church, that time after time, the Lord has helped me, empowered me, sustained me, and given me undeniable joy in unfolding the truth of his word in a way that I trust has glorified Christ and served all of you. Um, he's, he's done that in my heart. Okay, that's the first thing that gives me confidence. Step into this. Second thing, I love to help others succeed in the work of ministry. Okay, now, if you're following my story, you heard me say a minute ago that just a couple years ago, I thought that that meant I couldn't be a lead pastor. If you want to help other people succeed in ministry, you don't, you'd be an associate pastor. Well, let me explain, okay? In my early years as a pastor, I thought of the lead pastor, what we used to call the senior pastor, as the guy who knew everything, had seen everything, and did everything, could do everything. I mean, to put it bluntly, they were the super pastor. Okay? There were pastors, then there were super pastors. So if you wanted to do all the ministry, you became a lead pastor, a super pastor. If, if you wanted to help the super pastor do his ministry, then you became an associate pastor. So I'm generalizing a bit, but, but that in some ways was my perspective. But, but a few years ago, I began to see the role of lead pastor in a different light. Okay? The Lord began to show me that being a faithful lead pastor isn't about standing at the top of a church pyramid and managing the other elders and members like some sort of professional super-Christian, okay? It's about serving at the bottom of the pyramid, 
by helping the other elders and members discover and pursue the works of ministry that God's called them to do and devoting my time to equipping and encouraging them along the way. Does that make sense? Okay. In other words, I started to see that my passion for helping other people succeed in ministry wasn't something I would have to sacrifice as a lead pastor, but it was actually one of the things that most qualified me to serve in the role. That was such a gift, such a gift. So as my love for preaching God's word, my, my passion for setting other people up for success in ministry has grown, so is my confidence that God's called me to serve as our next lead pastor. So I, I want to thank you uh, for the support that you've given me over the last 10 years. Um, I presided at, at weddings. I presided at funerals. I've, I've watched God add members to our body. I've watched God take members away. I've cried with you on days that were hard. I've rejoiced with you on, on days that were happy. And through it all, this I know, the Lord God has been faithful to us, Kingsway. He's been so faithful to us. So faithful. And he's not done, he's not done using this church, our church, to proclaim the, the glory of the Father and the gospel of the Son through the power of the Spirit. If I thought that this was a sinking ship, I wouldn't be taking this position. But the Lord Jesus made a promise that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so I want you to know I'm all in here. Okay? I'm all in here. I want to talk with you for just a minute about our mission as a church. I, I, I was thinking that, you know, in recent months, Different people have asked me, Matthew, what's your, what's your vision for King's Way? Okay, and I get it, right? It's been a hard couple years. Why, why should I be excited about being a member of King's Way? What does God want to do in and through the members of this body? Okay, so here's my answer to that question. All right? It's shocking. Are you ready? I don't have a new vision for our church. I don't. Because I don't believe God has a new vision for our church. Okay? In an ever-changing world, our task as Christians, our, our calling as a local church, and quite frankly, my job as a pastor is not to come up with something new, but to be faithful with something old. You want a vision? It's not to come up with something new, new guy, new vision. No, we don't, we don't need a new vision, Kingsway. We need to be faithful to an old vision. Because God loves his church too much to, to set apart men, fallible human men like me, by the way, and send us up on some mountaintop and say, go find a new vision. I'd mess that up. And he loves us too much to put that kind of confidence in fallible men. So what has he done? He's given us our marching orders. It's an old vision, okay? He's already given us our mission, and it's found in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, I read that and I think, if that's not a reason to be excited about the future of this church, then I don't know what reason exists. Jesus is in charge of the entire world. Okay, you can say amen to that. More of you than Damien. Jesus is in charge of the entire world. Okay? And that means that he is at work in the entire world. And that as the blood-bought people of Christ... He has called us and empowered us to help the people in our neighborhood, the people in our city, the people in all the nations of the world to know him and follow him. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's called making disciples. And that, brothers and sisters, is Jesus' unchanging vision for this church. I was at Southern Seminary this week, taking my last week of on-site graduate school. I have one more class, three credits left. And I'll have my Master's of Divinity done. And I spent the entire week studying contemporary theology. And by contemporary, some of you raised your eyebrows like, what is that? Well, my reaction exactly. It was studying all the ways that over the last 200 years, pastors have taught something new rather than being faithful to something old. And as I sat there hour after hour listening to Dr. Steve Wellham, I thought, Lord, would you guard and protect me from ever preaching something new? The task is to be faithful to something old, to be faithful to the mission of the gospel. Okay, so what kind of church does God want us to be? He wants us to be a church that helps people enjoy a growing relationship with God. That's called being a disciple-making disciple. And how are we going to get there? Well, we're going to treasure Christ. We're going to pursue authentic community. We're going to love our neighbors. So it's not rocket science. It's simple, but it also requires a tremendous amount of work. So here's the key, Kingsway, okay? Well, please hear this. It is not my job to do the work and your job to pay me. It's not. It's your job to do the work, and it's my job to help you. Can we please get that straight from day one? <laughs> okay? It's your job to do the work of ministry. It's my job to help you. So, so here's my request. I actually have two requests, okay? Number one, go all in on your church. Okay? Go all in on your church. Why? Because Jesus went all in on the church, and he's given you a role to play, okay? So seize 2017 as an opportunity to say, Lord, how can I be a disciple-making disciple at Kingsway? How do you want me to grow in following hard after you in every area of life and, and helping the men and women around me to do the same, okay? That's number one. Number two, number two, go all in on your church, number two, please pray for me. Please pray for me. Okay, I, I say that because I want the Apostle Paul's legacy in Corinth to be my legacy here. 
Paul said in chapter 2, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men but in the power of God. I want that to be my legacy here. I couldn't say it any better. Because, because I want Jesus to be glorified through my ministry. Church, you need, you need to know, I, there are some things I pray against. And one of the things I pray against is, Lord, I pray against anybody ever coming in here and walking back out to their car and thinking, what an amazing pastor. Why do I pray against that? Be- because I don't want that. I want people walking back out to their car. I want you walking back out to your car thinking, what an amazing savior, (laughs) right? I don't want a single person staying in this church because they're enamored with me. I want them to be enamored with him because only he can satisfy because at some point, I'm gonna let you down. (laughs) It's just true. Okay, any pastor gets up and says, you know what? I am so super qualified to be a lead pastor because I have <clears throat> arrived in pastoral ministry. You know, CEO, oh, sorry, um, lead pastor. You, you know, it's just, that's craziness. That, that is not what you should believe when the word of God says we're not sufficient in ourselves. Our sufficiency comes from him. So please pray for me. And, and to that end, as I know many of you are faithful to pray and have been faithful to pray, I want to um, share quickly a seven commitments with you. Okay, now this is not a repetition of my ordination vows that I took 10 years ago. This is not exhaustive. If there's something you really care about pastors doing here and it's not in these seven things, please don't think I don't care about that, all right? But, but I just wanted to capture quickly some of the things that I want to double down on as I'm stepping into a new role, okay? So it's not exhaustive, but the things that are really on my heart, all right? So I'm just gonna read through these quickly. I'm gonna put these out on the blog later, okay? Number one, I've written these in the form of promises to you because I want you to pray for me and then I want you to hold me accountable, okay? Number one, I promise to love the Lord our God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, recognizing that the best gift I can give you is my personal holiness. And that means, church, that that I refuse to care for you at the expense of my own relationship with God or my family. Okay, so I'm going to prioritize the health of my own soul, the, the strength of my marriage, the good of my children above the demands of ministry. The reason I'm going to do that is that it's not just my job to tell you how to live, but to show you, to show you, okay? Number two, I promise to declare to you the whole counsel of God through faithful gospel-centered exposition of his inerrant word, pressing home the authoritative claim of scripture 
in every area of life. And one of the things I am most excited about doing is, is building what I would call a company of expositors. And by that, I mean a, gr- a group of faithful elders who feed you well with Scripture. Well, one of my favorite things to do with, with the elders here is to sit around and plan for a sermon and talk about how does King Jesus want to feed the sheep this weekend? I love to do that, okay? So I, I promise to do that. Number three, I promise to devote myself to building and stewarding the practice of genuine plurality on our eldership, that you might be well-led by men who love God and, and love one another. So Chris mentioned this earlier, but I want to lead this eldership in focusing on two priorities above all others, ministry of the word and prayer. And the reason for that is that I never want the leaders in this church to exchange the responsibilities of a shepherd for the busyness of a manager. Okay, I could give a sermon on each one of these, but we're just going to keep going, okay? Number four, I promise to build a culture of approachability and accountability among the leaders in this church, starting with myself, by seeking an abundance of counsel in making decisions. I think that's one of the things that God has taught us the hard way in some cases over the last few years. And I believe God's eager to impart wisdom to me through men and women inside and outside this church, whether or not you ever set foot on this stage. Okay? Number five, I promise to keep our church focused on our mission, making disciples of Jesus Christ and this community and around the world, refusing to allow good things to draw my attention away from the most important things. Please pray for that. That I would not allow good things to draw my attention away from the most important things. Number six, I promise to labor in building a church that is transcultural and multi-generational. Recognizing that biblical diversity reflects the reconciling power of God in the gospel. However, I will never pursue diversity or numerical growth at the expense of doctrinal fidelity. I'm not going to do that to you. I do that. We're not going to be here in 50 years. On my watch, we're not going to modify or market the gospel. According to the wisdom of man, we're going to protect and proclaim the gospel in the power of the Spirit. Number seven, I promise to anticipate, pray for, and at the right time begin training my replacement as the lead pastor. Okay, so, so far as it depends on me, I'm not going to build this church around, around my gifts or my abilities or my personality. I'm going to build this church on the foundation of the gospel as it's always been built, knowing that a church built into Christ and not a particular pastor is the only church that endures over time. So, what you might ask are my plans for the future, given those commitments. Well, once a brother asked me recently, Matthew, how are you going to give attention to all the things that arguably need attention in the church? My first response was, well, slowly. <laughs> slowly. Uh, nothing of enduring value, particularly in the church, changes quickly. All right? But there are some things that I am eager to see, with the help of God, slowly grow and change in our church, okay? So I'm just going to lay these out as bullets. 
I'm eager to develop the biblical office of deacons. Okay? I'm eager to see God add men to our eldership. I am praying that God would add fluent Spanish-speaking men to our eldership. I'm praying that God would add African-American men to our eldership. I invite you to join me in praying for both of those things. Okay, I'm, I'm eager to bring clarity and definition to our, our community group structure. I'm eager to multiply the gift of teaching through establishing a Sunday school program for adults. <laughs> I'm, I'm eager to help us grow in, in personal evangelism and prayer and biblical counseling. And I'm eager to ensure that we keep growing in our corporate practice of the spiritual gifts. So in closing, friends, the, the fact that the elders and all of you would want me to take up the baton for the next leg of this church's journey is an unbelievable honor. I recognize that, that today I'm in the spotlight for a reason and, and I don't want to shy away from that. God's called me into a new position of leadership and I, I joyfully and freely accept the call but I want you to remember that I am a jar of clay. I can't save this church. I can't deliver this church. I can't guarantee a glorious future for the members of this church. But I know the one who can. You do too. You do too. So as we celebrate today, please remember that I'm a jar of clay and you're a jar of clay. But in Christ, we hold a priceless treasure. Priceless treasure. And God's set it up that way on purpose. He's, he's made me weak. He's made you weak so that, so that this day and, and all the rest of our days until the Lord calls us home, that everybody who's watching us and everybody who's watching me would be compelled to say they have that treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing greatness of the power belongs to God, not to us. I'm praying that at whatever point in the future, I, I want to be here for decades, okay? I, I have like, I'm playing for a par nine, what, whatever. <laughs> I'm praying that at the end of my time as a pastor here, that that, that would be what people say. Oh, Matthew, he was, gosh, he was just a jar of clay. <laughs> but he held a priceless treasure to show that the surpassing greatness of the power it doesn't belong to me belongs to him. So my invitation to you, church, as I, as I step into this new position, it's, it's very simple. I invite you, I call you, I challenge you to follow me as I follow Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, trying to get everything that you have put into my heart into a relatively short amount of time is exceedingly difficult. Thank you for these attentive men and women. Thank you most of all for your son 
Lord, I pray that today, as you call and set me into this office, that I would decrease and you would increase. And I ask you again, as I just ask my brothers and sisters to pray, that the legacy of my ministry would be that the surpassing greatness of the power belonged to God and not to Matthew. Lord, I, I thank you in particular for my wife this day. I thank you for the support that she has been to me. Lord, for the way that you have made me sufficient through her prayers, through her encouragement, through her steadfastness. I pray that she would know a well done from you today too. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.